Hello, this is Gregory Novak. This is The Cunning of Geist, episode 37. Welcome back. Please follow the podcast's Facebook page, at Cunning of Geist, and you can also follow me on Twitter, at Cunning of Geist. The purpose of this podcast is to explore philosophy, psychology, and science with the aim of demonstrating that we have a free and purposeful mind, which we can use for meaningful action in society. Now, let's get on with the current episode. I'm sure that most of the listeners to this podcast have heard of the rock and roll band, The Rolling Stones. They've been around for quite a long time. And their guitarist and co-songwriter, Keith Richards, has an interesting quote regarding rock and roll. He said, quote, Everyone talks about rock these days. The problem is they forget about the roll, end quote. Now, while he was talking about rock music, this quote has broader implications, and that's going to be the theme of this episode. Allow me to explain. We've talked about the difference between left-brain understanding and right-brain reasoning before in several episodes. Uh, The left-brain understanding, the German word is Verstand, and for the right-brain reasoning, the German word is Vernunft, which Hegel refers to. Um, We did a full analysis of this in episode 10, The Divided Brain and the Unhappy Consciousness, and we touched on it again in episode 21 on Marshall McLuhan, entitled The Rise, Return of Tribalism, Technology, McLuhan, and Hegel. Let me read a quote from author Ian McGilchrist that explains the difference in these two brains, two brain hemispheres very well. Quote, Because of its narrow focus and emphasis on getting certainty, the left hemisphere sees only bits and pieces, fragments, which it attempts to put together to form a whole. In the living world, context is everything, but this is neglected by the left hemisphere. Thus, the right hemisphere prefers the explicit without understanding. They're rendering things explicit and isolating them under the spotlight of attention, denatures and ultimately kills them just as explaining a joke or a poetic metaphor robs it of its meaning and power, end quote. So essentially, it is the right brain that sees the context, the big picture, the life, the movement, and the left brain just keeps dividing things up and categorizing things. And Hegel understood this difference very well, although he was obviously not aware of brain science. He just understood it in terms of how the mind operates. Now, As I mentioned, Verstand is the German word for understanding. And Hegel makes a very clear statement about how this Verstand is is incomplete. Let me quote him. Quote, a table of contents is all that understanding gives. The content itself, it does not furnish at all, end quote. Hegel is saying that Verstand, the understanding, provides the outline, the map, whereas reason, Vernunft, supplies the content. Now, I like to use these German words because it breaks up the connotations that we have as as English speakers in terms of what understanding and reason mean. There are a lot of words in English that refer to reason, thought, thinking, rationality, etc. So I like to use Verstand and Vernunft because it's very clear that the Verstand is the uh, left brain dividing kind of thinking, and Vernunft is the right brain holistic kind of thinking. So I'm going to use those terms frequently in this episode. Hegel goes on, quote, instead of making its way into the inherent content of the matter in hand, 
Understanding always takes a survey of the whole, assumes a position above the particular existence about which it is speaking, i.e. it does not see it at all. And this is what I want to focus on in this episode, that the left brain is an abstraction of reality and its representations do not move. They are fixed like a rock. The right brain, however, sees and comprehends real life and as such it flows, it rolls along just as real life does, just as any great Rolling Stones song does. Unfortunately, today in the world, we are more and more focused on the left brain's categories, and we have not much to do with the right brain. And this is a big problem, I believe. Thinking, true reason, it flows, it rolls. Yes, we need our categories to make sense of things, but we need to integrate this understanding into the bigger picture, into the holistic picture. Heraclitus was the first philosopher to say that everything flows, and the great contemporary philosopher Keith Richards would certainly agree. Now, I want to give some examples here in terms of real life and what this means. So hopefully it'll give you a better understanding of what I'm talking about. In today's world, we tend to focus on the rock, but we forget about the roll. And these examples that I'm going to give are going to hopefully point this out. The left brain divides, it categorizes, it misses the big holistic picture. It misses the life of the thing that it's looking at. The first example I want to talk about is political parties. And I know this is very, very topical today, but I'm, I'm going to get into it, not from a standpoint of uh, defending or attacking one party or the other, but just, just what seems to be going on today with, with political parties and, and, and left brain thinking. Now, in the United States, party affiliation breaks down approximately 30% Republican, 30% Democrat, and 40% Independent. Now, if you're listening to the news media, you'd believe it is 50-50, but it is not. This trend of, of polarization has been going on strongly in the United States, and it's probably going on all over the world. And basically what it boils down to is it, it, today, if you think you know someone's party, you think you know everything there is to know about them, and there's nothing more to know. Um, in the case of independence, such as myself, it's the question, well, who did you vote for? You may be an independent, but who did you vote for? And that yields the same result. Then once you know who I vote for, you know absolutely everything there is to know about me. And there's nothing more to know. Now, I am a registered independent, but I do consider myself a liberal and a very much a progressive in the broad sense of that word. But I don't like to think of myself as belonging to a team. I'm not a joiner. Crowds, I've found, often get it wrong. And I've also noticed another thing that's disturbing is oftentimes when somebody identifies with a group, often that's when the thinking stops. And it's not just in politics that this occurs. It goes on in religion and other identification groups, identity groups. Now, I've heard all the arguments for joining a political party. I'm not against that. People say we need parties to organize efforts and get things done. I understand that. And and many people pick the party that best represents their goals so they can go make a difference. I get that. However, being an independent doesn't mean that I don't have an opinion or that I can't break things down or that does not mean that I cannot work toward certain goals. It's just the uh, sort of the dark side of party affiliation that, that has me has me worried. I, I see the harm they can do as well, uh, particularly when belonging to a party leads one to stop thinking things through, thinking the issues through one by one, thinking the candidates th- th- through one by one and all their uh, all that's going on with them. 
Too often today, people think only of what is good for their party. It's like a team sport. Winning is everything. But politics should not be a team sport, I believe. And it's unfortunate it's taken on this this aspect. Uh, There are big issues at stake here all over the world. And again, let me say I have no problem with people joining a party. It's just when when they join and then they stop thinking, that's when I, I have the problem. Now, I've noticed that people in parties are often loath to speak against anyone in their own party. Why is that? You know, it's impossible that any group of 30% of Americans, whether Republican or Democrat, that there's not some bad actors in those parties, in both parties. So this need to just overlook any person that's in their own party in terms of being wrong or troublemaker, that's unfortunate. Too often today, many partisans only care about the optics of their party and not the substance. If something happens, is this good for us or bad for us? If it's good, we need to milk it for all it's worth. If it's bad, we need to ignore it or spin it into something else or create a distraction or find a way to blame the other party for it. And both sides do this. It's it's a pack that both sides have made with the devil. And, and it's getting very extreme. And the result, I don't believe, is good. Politics, I think, is fine as long as you have one foot in the country and another foot in your own party. And then you can have interesting dialogue and uh, and you can address the issues for what's good for the country. But when the country is itself is sacrificed to a scorched earth policy, then everybody loses, I, I, I believe. And I've lived long enough to see this polarization increase to a level I've never seen before in my lifetime, even worse in the 60s. Now, I've seen people in social situations that meet somebody for the first time. They'll ask a, a question or two to to smell out to sniff out what the person's party affiliation is. And once they find out, they know everything they can, uh, that there is to know about the person. Is this fair? To me, it is not. It's the result of blind left brain thinking, categorizing and missing the true human being that is staying there in front of you. I'm not saying you have to agree with everybody on everything. Not at all. You know, spirited debate is, is what makes uh, for good policy. And one can certainly vote for whoever they want with passion. But when you say things like, I could never be friends with anyone that voted for blank, isn't that a rather limiting belief? Politics should be one strike against a person if, if it's against you, but it, should it just be the only strike, the sole determinant of who your friend is and who your friends aren't? You know, now, let me say, I don't believe that this question, well, Greg, would you be friends with a Nazi is relevant here. It's a straw man argument. It changes the argument. Unfortunately, the polarization is so bad, you actually hear people being accused of being Nazis today. And that's unfortunate because it lessens the crimes that the Nazis actually committed. It it, um, waters down uh, what that actually means. My point is that one should not write off a whole person immediately based on who they voted for. You know, one of the best examples I know of this is We had two Supreme Court justices in the United States, Antonin Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. They're both on the U.S. Supreme Court, the highest court in the land. It's a lifelong appointment in the United States. And Justice Scalia was as right wing as they come and Judge Ginsburg was as left wing as they come. But, you know, they were great friends. They had tremendous respect for each other. They and their spouses attended opera together and they even vacationed together. Can you imagine that? They, this did not mean that they agreed on the rulings. Of course they didn't. Uh, but they could see beyond this to the full person, and they enjoyed this full person. They enjoyed each other's intelligence. 
and they enjoyed their conversations that they had on other things other than the latest ruling. They were both highly intelligent people that enjoyed each other's company, and that's that's great. The left brain for Stant sees a category, not a person. The right brain for Nunf sees the full person. You know, in older times, we were perhaps more tolerant of this, but today it's gotten much more extreme. It's interesting. I just saw a quote the other day, the documentary filmmaker Ken Burns. You may have seen a number of his documentaries. One in particular that stood out was his documentary on the Civil War a couple decades ago. And he believes it's one of the worst times in American history today. I'm going to quote him. It's really serious. There are three great crises before this, the Civil War, the Depression, and World War II. This is equal to it. And during this interview, he quoted Abraham Lincoln from an 1838 speech, and I'll read what Lincoln had to say. Quote, From whence shall we expect the approach of danger? Shall some transatlantic military giant step the earth and crush us at a blow? Never. All the armies of Europe, Asia, and Africa could not by force take a drink from the Ohio River or make a track on the Blue Ridge in the trial of a thousand years. No, if destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we will live forever or die by accident, end quote. And it's not just in the U.S. These issues of polarization and division are nearly everywhere, as far as I can see. It's because we're no longer isolated in our countries. We truly live in a, an electronic global living room, as I discussed in episode 21 on tribalism. But let's move on to another example, and that's um, geographic location. And I'm going to focus on the American states in this example. But wherever you live, I'm sure you can come up with your own examples in your own country. Americans, some anyway, tend to write off whole states, even whole sections of the country in their thinking. We now in, in America have red states versus blue states, red for Republican, blue for Democrat. Isn't that easy? Isn't that a great left brain identification? But what about us independents? We're the majority in many states. Maybe there should be red, blue and purple states. But no, the media likes to keep its identity politics simple. Just red and blue states. Thank you. For example, I grew up in New York state in the United States and after working for a few years in New York, I took a job in the state of North Carolina and lived there for nearly 10 years. My next door neighbor was born and raised in North Carolina. Uh, he would often say that he would never step foot in New York, that the people there were crazy. He lumped all New Yorkers, regardless of ethnicity or where in the state they lived, as loud, aggressive, and obnoxious. Having grown up in New York State, I knew there were all types of people there, including many transplanted Southerners, but his mind was made up. He only saw the left brain category of New Yorker, and every New Yorker was included. And of course, it goes the other way as well. I often hear comments today of the South, the Southern United States, being all bigots and racists. I actually heard somebody say that they were going to drive across the country, but they were going to take a route that would completely avoid Texas, because they would not step foot in Texas. I guess it's too Republican, the ultimate red state. But perhaps unknown to this person is... Most of the large southern U.S. cities, such as Dallas, Texas, they've had a massive influx of northerners over the last 30 years or so. And there are easily many northerners in these large urban centers. It's not just a small minority. It's quite significant. So you have all types of people in these states, all types of people in Texas. You have different political parties, different ethnicities, different gender identities. And all this is lost on the person that says they will never step foot in Texas or in New York. This Polarization is growing and growing. 
Now, another interesting area where you see it is in, is in fame, being famous. There's a strong trend today uh, that people tend to regard fame over content. The content matters less than whether someone is famous. You have people that are even famous for being famous. And the two biggest examples are, of course, the Kardashians and Paris Hilton. But one does not need to deal strictly with celebrity here. Just go into any art museum. You'll notice the people standing in front of the painting, and rather than looking at the painting and absorbing it, deciding whether they like it or not, they squint and bend over to see who the painter was and if they've ever heard of them, if they're famous or not. The sign with the name of the painter and the name of the painting is the category. It's for the left brain. The painting itself is for the right brain. You also see people in museums with audio recording headphones, which guides them through the museum, explaining the background of each piece. And again, you can read about these pieces in a book. The purpose of actually going to the museum is to experience the piece of art unfiltered. Sure, find out about it after it has either captured your attention or it has spoken to you. Another example is in fashion design. Have you ever watched the red carpet for the Oscars or the Emmys when the celebrities come in and the interviewer, Ryan Seacrest or whoever it is, will say, who are you wearing? It's a perfect example here. Once again, the designer is more important than the dress or the suit. It's the identity of the designer. Who are you wearing? That's, that's the key question here. So you can see this is all left brain encroaching itself on uh, the, the full understanding of the right brain. Now, another example is money. Money can become a symbol of its own, a left brain symbol, and it can become divorced from what money can, in fact, purchase. Money is really taken on and can take on a symbolic interpretation it, beyond the goods it can provide. It can stand for success. It can stand for winning. It can stand for attractiveness. It is said money is not the root of all evil, but love of money is. Along these lines, I've seen people literally ruin their lives in pursuit of more and more money at the expense of living a balanced life. You probably know people like this yourself. I've seen people that have really put chasing the dollar ahead of their family and and actually ended up in very bad situations. I think this is a clear message of the popular television series Breaking Bad. School teacher Walter White had terminal cancer. He turned to crime to provide for his family after he was gone. But obviously there was more going on here in terms of his own ego. And he ended up nearly destroying his family in the process. I've seen people with tons of money not know where to spend it. The art world is a good example. It seems that modern artists can charge millions just because of their name. Is there talent there? Well, I'll let you be the judge. But is a banana peel stuck in the wall worth thousands of dollars? Come on. NFTs are now the talk of the town. And you can't even hang an NFT on the wall. What is an NFT? You're probably asking. NFT stands for non-fungible tokens. And it's a kind of a thing that can only exist on a computer, but it's a one-of-a-kind thing. Now, the first tweet that was ever tweeted was sold by Twitter founder Jack Dorsey for $2.9 million. I'm not joking. There's a rough, crude, uh, computer-generated picture of a masked alien punk, and it got $11.75 million U.S. dollars in a sale. Now... Of course, there are those that are lucky enough to see the emptiness of just chasing after the dollar. Some of the lucky ones include John D. Rockefeller, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates. They recognize this and set up foundations to give most of their money away. 
But many don't get it, and many suffer as a result. Don't get me wrong, poverty is no virtue either. But being gainfully employed and living a healthy, balanced life with family, friends, and a community seems to be the way to go. A full life, a holistic life. Vernunft and Verstand, not just Verstand. The last left-brain item I want to discuss is the use of photos and social media. Ah, It seems that the photo of your experience now is more important than the experience itself. And this trend is getting more mainstream by the minute. Now, if you, today, if you go on vacation and you don't post a photo on Facebook or Instagram, have you really gone on vacation? Somehow the photo validates the experience. People constantly post photos of themselves, their children, their grandchildren, their pets, their dinner. But the photo is a moment in time. It's not the experience. Unfortunately, the photo is the left brain abstraction of reality. But it's becoming more important than the experience itself. I have a friend that takes videos of absolutely everything. Um, he takes them of uh, every event he attends, of his kids, the, the sports they play, their school plays. He films away. He even filmed his own child's birth. But when you're so busy filming, aren't you removing yourself from the situation? Don't you want to experience the miracle of birth firsthand rather than worrying about the lighting, the right framing, etc.? I go with some people to an event or place and I can already, already see them thinking, oh, let me get the, a great Facebook or Instagram shot here. And this is symptomatic of our increasing left brain dominated world. Now, let me conclude this episode by coming back to Hegel. Hegel taught that things always need to be put in relation to other things to find their meaning. And this is a strong theme that runs through all of Hegelianism. And it is Vernunft reason that makes these connections. You can see it in the individual consciousness needing an other consciousness that Hegel describes in the phenomenology of spirit. You can see it in the notion of being in it for itself that Hegel discusses in the science of logic. Being in yourself is separation. Being for yourself is seeing another and recognizing the difference. Being in and for yourself is incorporating yourself and the other into a broader conception that includes both. Now, we've discussed this in depth back in episode four, The Road to True Infinity, so I'm not going to do it here. We also briefly touched on this in episode six on Dr. Martin Luther King, who was a Galian. But certainly, we need our left-brain categories to think, no question. But it does not end there. We also need Vernunft, reason. We can't focus only on the rock. We need the role as well. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Please pass on word about this podcast if you're enjoying it to to others that may, may benefit from it. And as I say, each episode at the end, all references will be listed in the Cunning of Geist Facebook page, at Cunning of Geist. This is Gregory Novak. This is the Cunning of Geist. See you next time.